Okay, chapter 11, page 57. Specifics comprising the virtue of cleanliness, which we described previously as being a level of awareness, self-awareness, that you're no longer subject, subject to the dictates of, uh, of the, all the other influence around us. You are completely straight and lucid in your thinking and have complete clarity to recognize what is actually good and what is actually bad. No longer any confusion. So how do we actually, the specifics of this virtue, they're as numerous as all the details found in the 365 negative commandments. The idea of this virtue is to reach a level which you no longer are making mistakes about any of the negative commandments. So there's 365 of them. I have previously stated that this virtue entails one's cleansing from all the particulars of sin. Although wherever possible, the evil inclination tries to lead man to sin, there are some offenses that human nature finds more desirable. And with regard to these, his evil inclination grants him greater leeway to rationalize and permit that which is forbidden. Therefore, in these areas, one needs to strengthen himself in an even greater degree in order to conquer his evil inclination and to be cleansed of sin. Our sages of blessed memory have said, man's nature yearns for and desires theft and promiscuity. So these are the two things that we have a, a strong, very, very strong desire. Many of the Averis are not Averis that we necessarily have a desire to do. I don't think most of us have a desire to eat, to drink, you know, animal blood, right? That's not something that most of us desire to do. But when it comes to there are two specific uh, Midas, there are two specific Averas that many of us do have a strong desire for, and, and that's the way Hashem created the world. And that is the desire for theft and the desire for promiscuity. We see that although most people are not outright thieves, right? So he's not referring to the desire to go over and, and rob someone or to go over and, and steal, you know, hack into someone's bank account and take money from them. That's not literally what's going to be our desire. Most of us have enough of a sense of, of moral uh, decency to not do that even without the Torah, right? So what are we referring to? In the sense of literally grabbing money that belongs to others and keeping it, most of us are not going to do that. Nonetheless, most of us develop a taste for stealing in our business dealings when we permit ourselves to profit at the expense of others, what do we say? Ah, it's just business. Everybody does it. You're permitted to do it. Regarding stealing, many prohibitions have been stated in reference to it. You must not steal, which is really referring to a kidnapping, stealing a soul. Nor may you rob. You shall not oppress. Nor may any man among you make a false denial. These are all verses in the Torah telling us the importance of not stealing from a friend or lie against this fellow man. Right? It says you're not, not permitted to lie. You must not cheat one another. You must not move back the border of your fellow man's field. Right? This is the idea of moving boundaries. Right? All of these are distinct laws that relate to stealing. And their scope covers many of the acts that are commonplace in business dealings and financial activity. And each one of them contains numerous prohibitions. What, the, what he's harping on is the fact that the Torah gives us so many different aspects of being careful not to take anything from somebody else. There's so many different lavins, so many different prohibitions, and they're somewhat related, but they're all their own unique thing. So what is that for? And if you go through the Talmud and the study of the oral Torah, teaching us all about what the written Torah is, is really means over here, there's so many different things that they're being covered in these acts. It's because it needs to be very, very careful to never do anything of this nature at all. Okay. Um, indeed, not only the familiar and common acts of extortion and theft are prohibited, but also whatever ultimately leads to them and causes them is included in the prohibition. In this regard, our sages of blessed memory 
stated in the Talmud, and he did not defile his neighbor's wife. This is a verse in Ezekiel. And it says that this fellow did not defile his neighbor's wife. He didn't sleep with her. But what do these sages teach us? What does this really mean? It refers to someone who did not encroach on his neighbor's prohibition. Okay. So all he did over here is not encroach on his neighbor's livelihood. So the, the entire issue over here is if you don't encroach on your neighbor's livelihood, you will cut many, many different things at, and nip them in the bud. So, and you talk about stealing from somebody else, and you talk about uh, you know the desires for promiscuity. They both come from a mistaken desire for a, a taiva, a desire for certain materialistic pleasures in this world that do not belong to you, and you're trying to take them even though they don't belong to you, whether by force or whether through subversion. Now, the both of them are in that category of averos of, of prohibition. Now, the the Torah itself tells us this language of defiling your neighbor's wife, our sages explain it's actually referring to moving the uh, the boundaries. Now, on these grounds, Rabbi Yehuda prohibited a storekeeper giving out roasted grains and nuts to children to attract them to the store. What is this referring to? This is the Talmudic passage in Bav Metziah, it's a Mishnah actually, and the Torah is not fully free market. And Rabbi Yehuda said that if you have a store owner who wants to encourage uh, people to shop in his store, so he offers free nuts and free uh, roasted wheat. That was like the treat in those days to children who come into his store. And through doing so, he's going to convince them to, to frequent his store and not frequent his competitor's store. Rabbi Huda said, you're not permitted to do this. Because if you do that, you're convincing them to go to your store, not your neighbor's store. Now, you might say, well, free market and just work it out. If you're, if you're going to offer this, then your neighbor could offer something else and let the better man win. But the sages did not have that in mind. And the sages themselves, they do actually permit us to do this. And it's only Rabbi Yehudu who says you're not permitted to give out the roasted greens and nuts. The sages do permit this. They only permit it because your competitors can do exactly the same thing. But if your competitors couldn't do the same thing, you wouldn't be permitted to do this. Now, is that really stealing? It's not stealing. You're just convincing people to go to your store and not your neighbor's store. You're not taking anything away from them, literally. But it's close enough to the category of stealing that's also prohibited. And our sages of blessed memory said, Stealing from a human being is worse than stealing something that is consecrated for use in the Beis HaMikdash, something which is de designated for use in the temple. If you steal from a human, that's even worse. But when referring to the former, taking from a human being, the Torah speaks first of sinning, hate, and only afterwards does it mention misappropriation, the Elah. While when referring to the latter, it speaks first of misappropriation, and only then does it mention sinning. Okay? So we see from here the importance of making sure that you don't steal something from a fellow Jew is even more important on some level than stealing something from the Beit HaMikdash, from the temple itself. Because that's the way the Torah refers to it. One, be more stringent than the other. This is something which, you know, being careful with other people's money is something that, uh, you know, the Jews have always been incredibly, righteous Jews have always been incredibly righteous. I just want to share one short story with the Chafetz Chaim, the author, the economist, Author Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan, who wrote the book Chavetz Chaim, deals with the laws of Lashon Hara, of speaking evil speech about others. And the story goes that he one time he lived in a small town called Radin, and he was one time visited by some sort of official of the Tsar. And the official comes in and he sees that there's ten stamps that are cut in half. Now the stamp had on it the face of the Tsar. So the official says to him, terribly disrespectful to cut the face of the Tsar in half. The Chavetz Chaim explained, let me tell you what happened here. So normally, I write many letters back and forth in a correspondence with many people who ask questions, and I write letters back to them. 
And normally I send the letters using the post office with the stamp of the czar on it. However, this time what happened was I had a friend who was at my house and he told me he's going to a certain neighborhood and I knew he was going to be able to bring 10 letters. So I gave him the letters to bring to that neighborhood because they would get there faster than the post office. But then I felt bad because I'm taking money away from the post office. Normally I would use the post office and pay and buy the 10 stamps for that. So instead I bought 10 stamps and I ripped them up so that it would be the same thing and I would pay the post office what they deserve. And when this official heard him say that, he said, wow, said we are a blessed nation if the Jews are dwelling in our nation. And that should be our attitude about money. Of course, that's not warranted and not obligated to do so on a Torah level or even on a rabbinic level. However, that should be our mindset in terms of other people's money, that we should stay as far away from ever taking anybody else's money. And if we ever have any doubt about it, we should make sure to reimburse for that possibly taking other people's money.